Terry, uh, for getting us thinking. Let me tell you um, who's on the panel, and then I'm going to get a bit more info from each of them about who does what as well. So we're left in no doubt. Well, you've already met the brilliant uh, Derry Llewellyn Jones. Uh, so let's we'll have applause for Derry actually for that other keynote. I think that was fantastic. Very good. Um, Richard Behrman. Uh, Managing Director of the British Business Bank uh, sits next to Derry and between Derry and Leah. I met you, Richard, when you were looking after a scary number of people with HSBC back in the day. The yep. British Business Bank. What's the one thing we should remember about the British Business Bank? Well, it's the UK government's economic development bank. So effectively, it's, without sounding too cheesy, it's trying to use government money to support small businesses. Right, and you, have you brought your chequebook today? Uh, yep, I have, so uh, <laughs> queue up afterwards. And, and actually, Richard, your sweet spot is more of the sort of, I wouldn't say microfinance, but it is at that smaller end yeah. of the spectrum? Yeah, so, so I'm, the, main, the main scheme I'm involved with is the startup loan scheme, yep. which is specifically designed for, to provide you know, funding, but probably very importantly, support to people in their first couple of years of, of business. Right, so I don't have to be just around my kitchen table just getting going. Just give us the no, sweet so spot. Two, so it's up to two years. Up to two years of trading is, is where we're, we're operating. And so it's, it's the funding, but also the pre-loan support to help the entrepreneur really work out, is the funding right, is it correct, how does it work, work yep. with them on their business plan and then also provide mentoring once okay. the funding's been provided. And just remind us, just quick, because it's very relevant yep. for many of our guests, the sweet spot in terms of how much we can apply for? So it's, it's up to £25,000. Yeah, got it. Okay, so that early stage. Yep. Great. Early stage. Next to you, uh, from Cedars. Hands up, who's heard of Cedars? Cedars, here we go, most of us. So Leah Moon is the, uh, well, first of all, head of the US legal operations, but also uh, the legal director for Cedars. This is crowdfunding, oh, one of our best-known crowdfunding platforms. Just remind us, Leah, you're raising equity crowdfunding. That's right, so shares in the business. Okay, and just tell us, just give us a sense of who you've helped and where you are as a business journey. Oh, okay, this is my, not my best area to talk about because uh, I'm, on the, I'm on the legal side, I'm a lawyer there, not on the mm, BD, so mm. I'm not gonna sell you, but I mean, any, I mean, we raise for any number of businesses across categories. Um, some of the bigger names will be Perkbox, Revolut, um, early days we did Chapel Down, so anything from food and bev to fintech. Um, yeah. Anyone in the room been through a crowdfunding experience? Yeah, we've got a few. Okay, a couple. Okay, a couple. Yeah. Sorry, you're. Oh dear! Oh, hopefully not with Cedars. <laughs> we'll have to come back to it. All right, we will come. Uh, oh, <laughs> boy. Don't worry. Are you pleased you came? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> the question coming your way. Yeah. Uh, don't you worry. Okay. <laughs> okay. Next to me, uh, Simon Curtin is the CEO of Funding Options. I think of you as a sort of navigator, a sat nav. Am I sort of on the money there, Simon? Pretty much on the money as always. Just remind us, can you hear Simon at the back? Tell us what you do, Simon, we'll remind ourselves. So, Funding Options is Europe's leading marketplace for SME lending. Um, best way to think of us is a matchmaker, uh, if you like, for businesses. So, we sit between the businesses. Can you hear Simon? Are you happy? Ish. All right, we might Ish. try and pump you up a bit. I'm not even Ish. sure that's on. Okay, sorry, forgive me. Yeah, so you're a platform? Yep, platform. So we are Europe's leading marketplace for SME lending. So we sit between the businesses and a panel of 200 plus lenders and we uh, find solutions that fit the requirements of, of businesses. And am I going to pay you to do this as a business? Are you going to take a little piece of the action? The business, generally speaking, does not, but uh -huh. the lender does, which is the way we like it. Okay, could we find the business bank on the other side of this? Or? We have spoken and we will be continuing to speak. Oh, so the magic yeah. is happening. Uh, very <laughs> nice. Okay, thank you very much, Simon. Paul, 
This is about getting businesses paid, actually, amongst Correct. many other things. But bottom line, you're the director of channel sales. Uh, Paul Conway, bottom line, what should we know about bottom line? Give us the nitty-gritty. Okay, so um, can everybody hear me, by the way? Okay? Yeah. yeah good, okay. Uh, bottom line helps businesses uh, pay uh, and get paid. Uh, we want to make sure that that can happen simply, securely. Um, and we have uh, a lot of businesses in the UK. We're listed under NASDAQ as uh, ePay. And really our mission is to make sure that we can remove the complexity from what is at times a complex process, which is getting money in and paying money out. Right, and just for a growing business in the room saying, look, we seem to be doing all right as we are, what's the key thing they should bear in mind about your technology that they might be missing if they didn't have it? Well, I think that um, people don't realize the complexities of um, paying money out and receiving it until they scale and grow. Yeah. Uh, and as they go through that process, uh, it opens them up to fraud, it opens them up to all sorts of problems that they weren't anticipating. And we've got a strong caliber and pedigree um, with a very dedicated global team that understands that. So we can help people through that process. So this is bottom line, so we can have a look at this. Okay, so I'm not going to ask every question to everybody um, because we haven't got enough time and I want to get your questions. But I do want to ask a big question which was lurking at the bottom of my pile. The secret to making better financial decisions. The secret to making better. What would you ask? Uh, what would you answer if that was your question, if you were sitting on the panel? What is that secret? Richard Behrman, let me pick on you. Uh, like, like all things, there's probably, probably a multitude of answers to it. But I, th I think from the experience I've got of working with businesses of all sizes, it's actually the, the juxtaposition of seeking advice and seeking support and, and getting counsel from people around it very, is very similar to what we were hearing earlier, that, that actually you won't know all the answers yourself. But juxtaposed with making the decision. Because you, too often people can swirl around in seeking advice, seeking advice, and get into a sort of a, a maelstrom of seeking the advice. Actually, sometimes you have to act as well. So I think it's, the secret is knowing when you've got enough information and enough support around you to then strike out and make the actual decision and get on with it. Yeah, and you talked, Derry, earlier about this sort of almost like a hundred, you said, different advisors to go to at different times. But businesses might not be able to afford a full-time financial director at a certain stage, mm. certainly with a pedigree. So what was your answer to this question, the secret to making better financial decisions? What does it boil down to for you? Um, I, I just don't think you can shortcut the basics, which is in order to make better financial decisions, you need to understand finance. Um, and this is the biggest issue for most business owners. It's not their skill set, unless you're an accounting background, and they're typically you're not going to be a CEO because you don't have the entrepreneurial drive, right? Now, some, actually some of the best uh, business owners and scale-ups have come from accounting backgrounds, right. and there's clues there. Uh, but you need to understand it, but not from a, don't panic, I'm not saying go to accounting school or anything, because that would bore you to death. Um, but you do need to understand the story the numbers are telling you, and only you as the business owner can truly understand the story. Because the numbers are telling us a story. That's all it is. And actually, the numbers don't lie. The story can. So what do, what, what do others make of this? Because I can't get the Timo Bolt story from Gusto out of my head. Do you remember from before lunch? He's put himself through a part-time MBA at the weekend. And there'll be certain leaders in the room who'll say, do you know what? Finance isn't my strong suit, so I'm going to bolster my team. There's another piece of advice that says you need to gen up on this yourself because no one else is more important than you to know those numbers. Where, where are you on that then, Paul? Well, I, I think that, you know, from the business that we speak to, um, people who are looking for money, uh, they, they want to fund their business, they don't actually realize that there's different options out there that mm -hmm. they could utilize. So, for example, if you, uh, I'll give you a good example, um, in 
our SME side, we happen to have a window cleaner. Um, we, we provide uh, technology all the way up to tier ones, but yep. there's window cleaner, and he's now using direct debit to collect money from his customers. Yep. Now that's incredible, because now he can predict where his money's coming in. Yep. He can absolutely give his customers service. They know exactly how much they're going to be paying out. Yep. And actually, if you're then going to look for further funding to go and increase your business, what is a bank or a funding institution going to look for? They're going to look for consistency. They're going to right. look for, do you know your business? What does your money look like? And that is a great way which you can use payments technology to give you the edge. Interesting. So I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't say that for the window cleaner, there were enough pains in his business already. <laughs> now, what about... <laughs> Actually, Simon, is there a type of finance that actually just gets overlooked? I'm a shareholder in a business that's just been through asset finance. I mean, what, what, what do you wish more people were actually aware of on the radar? Because you're Mr. Satnav, aren't you? But sure. Just to help us understand. So asset-backed lending, I agree with you. I think that isn't uh, as, well known, as well known as it should be. Um, so we deal across all of market, we deal across all of the products that are out there. Yeah. There are some weird and wonderful things such as MCA, so Merchant Cash Advance. Uh -huh. So where a business has that turnover, um, a lender can lock in effectively to the surety of that yep. ongoing turnover and provide finance off the back of that. You know, if you're a, if you're a business in distress, for example, uh, and you have uh, you know, large expensive machinery, um, you can again lock into that asset. It's one way if you are struggling, it's one of the only ways actually, for you to find finance so you can actually improve your position. Yeah. So um, for me, it's all about a business being as prepared as it can be. Yeah. There's the old cliche of a, you know, a businesswoman or a businessman uh, sort of sitting there and the last thing they think about is finance. So everything they do is uh, you know, at the last minute. Yes. And if they don't have the preparation, if they don't have access to the right advice, um, you know, they can find themselves in quite a perilous position very quickly. Right, so we might talk about that. Um, Leah, um, how familiar is the investment community with crowdfunding, because it's relatively new mm. on the scene. And I mean, what's the sort of response you get from the other pieces of the finance ecosystem? Uh, I think, you know, so I've been at Cedars for over five years, and when I first started, equity crowdfunding was very new. Nobody knew anything about right. what we did. Um, but, and I think at the time when equity crowdfunding arose, it was really um, an alternative to, because businesses genuinely couldn't get loans from the banks. And so it was, you know, more of a last resort type mm -hmm. thing. But over the years, I mean, people have really recognized the value of crowdfunding, not just because, uh, not least because you're getting access to capital, but also because of the, the valuable marketing opportunity mm. there is. So um, it is becoming much more widespread. And one of the, you know, the great things about equity crowdfunding is that it doesn't need to be done in and of itself. Like you can do equity crowdfunding alongside other funding options. So, um, you know, I think 60% of our campaigns now have equity crowdfunding um, alongside either angel, syndicate, or VC investment. So it can go together. It doesn't okay. need to be. So that's, that's a cracking point. What's the big red flag on, uh, on crowdfunding? Something to watch out for, and others might have views on this, but you know, who shouldn't do it, for example? Mm. Um, 
it's absolutely essential that you get your network leveraged and, and supporting your business. Um, so the, the best example is, um, you know, compare it to a restaurant. When you walk by a restaurant, um, are you going to, going to go into one where you don't see anyone sitting in there? Mm -hmm. Or are you going to go into the one where you see, you know, seven people, or, you know, the windows filled and, and mm -hmm. people are enjoying their meal? So it's the exact same thing with equity crowdfunding. You need to show that your supporters, whether it's friends, family, angel investors, just um, dedicated customers really believe in your company and are willing to invest in it, and that will, that will get you on the path to success. Mm. I mean, it, it does raise a troubling thought in my mind, Richard, which is, uh, this is not about cedars, but in general, that it's only the best connected people with rich friends and family that will survive. And that doesn't seem to be the spirit of where we need to be going in entrepreneurship. So what about those who don't, frankly, have those networks who are able to take a front seat when the restaurant opens? How, how do we really break those barriers? Yeah. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that's the case. Really, so I think it's changing. I think, you know, some of the some of the, some of the things I've got here. You, the, the, the financial environment. There, there is a lot of options out there, and a lot of them are effectively almost coming out of the 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 the, 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 the purpose is actually to change that. So, mm. funding options and other organisations of a similar type are sort of democratising the, the whole funding environment. Mm. Um, but. Well, you know, one of the things that what we try to do and the purpose behind our organization is to provide funding to people from business communities or part of the country that do struggle to get access to finance. Right. But, mm -hmm. but as I say, I think recently there's been a lot of uh, innovation in the industry that has started to move us away from and that. And Startup that, Loans that, that, does that with cash and support as Absolutely. well. So you've got a bolt on Absolutely. Of, of some of the mentoring. Let's seed some um, questions momentarily. Derry, one way of hearing this is there's plenty of money. There's sat-nav over here. What seems to be the problem? Well, what is the problem? Where are the gaps? What do you see? And then we'll hear firsthand in the room. Where are the gaps in terms of getting Britain's best businesses the cash they need? The gaps is back into <clears throat> the individual uh, owners understanding themselves okay. where their current business is and where it plays. Because yeah. this is the beautiful thing. There's never been a more exciting time in human history to raise capital for business. There's never been more accessible. That's fact. The problem with that is there's so much choice. A lot of people. One, don't know the choice. And, and by the way, I think we're sitting in a, an audience in London here where it's a lot more known. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm a Welshman and I'm a passionate Welshman. As soon as you go out into the regions, it becomes even more diluted. Mm -hmm. And that's a global phenomenon. Um, I think we've just got to get better education out there mm -hmm. so they understand because you're 100% right, which is um, what I've seen in business is people come to me, we're on the scale up, so they'll come, okay, we want to raise a million quid, Derry, we want to raise mm -hmm. half a million quid. Uh, I've spent my whole career raising capital across yeah. multiple businesses. And I'm going, no, you don't. The first thing is, is, why do you want to raise the money? Yeah. What are you going to try to do with it? Because a lot of people are trying to raise too much, too quickly, and giving too much away. And uh, they call this, and I don't know if this is an official term, but I was having lunch in the city. Um, so where the, the city guys are calling it the salami technique now. As soon as it's being done for a while, they'll call it something, right? Which is you need to cut the business up. So if you go, okay, I want to have two million quid. How much? You might only need 200 grand now. You need 50 grand now. Get that from, you might do a, a, a mm -hmm. cedars round. Mm -hmm. Then you do an angel round. Then you do a bit of um, slicing, a bit of debt on the side. Then do an asset raise. So it's not one place. And okay, I think this is the okay. issue. People still think, it's one thing, and well, it's not. It does anymore. worry me, though, Derek, because yeah. it's very distracting. It is for these for these um, C suites running running the companies. Who's got a question and observation? If you have never <laughs> struggled to raise any money, that would also be valued. Give us a bit of hope. Uh, who's on a fundraising journey right now? You might have a conundrum. We can get you a check. But, uh, I am again. We'll see. So I'm I see done. a question uh, in the third round. I'm look also looking around. Welcome, all questions, observations. You ever come to the front row? As well, why not, sir? There we go. So the third row, here we go. It's just was, was that an offer there, sir? 
Oh, dear, I've sold wine at less than that. There we go, right, gosh. No, we'll come down here then. Here we go. Yeah. Here we go. Forgive me. Here we are. Feel Hello. free to say where you're from so you don't have to. Let's go. Uh, hi, no, I'm Darren Jacobs from a company called Toker Group. Um, we've got a technology group of businesses and we've grown probably for the last 18 to 24 months uh, by acquisition. Um, I guess the question is, I mean, what we've, more of an observation is that um, if you're buying a business that has tangible assets, mm. it's pretty easy to raise finance. Mm. If you're buying a business in the service sector, for instance, where assets are um, very much intangible, um, you've got to kind of stake your house, your wife, your kids, and your, your car and everything, you know, your, your last suit on, on uh, gaining any, any kind of finance of any sorts. Um, so the question I guess I have is, do you guys have a, a better way of approaching that? Um, have you got any advice you know, for people like us that are trying to grow by way of acquisition other than trying to get a load of seller notes from um, you know, wannabe retirees? Yeah, so a quick take from anyone in addition to Richard, because I know you've advised so many small businesses on exactly this sort of conundrum. Yeah, so the, the question of sort of the support that's there behind the finance is always a, a big one, and it's not always relevant for acquisition, but I, I, I would put a shout out for the, the Enterprise Finance Guarantee Scheme, which is, it is a British bank supported scheme, but that's there to provide effective security when there isn't any or it's not quite the right structure of security. So there is a scheme, and that's through lots of, partners, including the high street banks. Mm. I think with, with acquisitions, it is always a challenge. It is always a challenge to, to raise the, the finance. And, and it, is, it can be a default position to go back looking for sort of personal assets of, of some sort. I, I, th I think that the, the underlying sort of method, it, methodology, though, it should come back you know, to, the, to the cash creation of, of the future enterprise. So uh, it, it, it comes down to, you know, fundamentally, can you go in and prove the cash generation and ultimately the, the simple question that I think from a funding perspective that all bankers have in the back of their mind, how am I going to get repaid? And I think it's such a simple question, mm -hmm. and I'm not saying yourself, but too often you see a, 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 an approach will come in and, and actually what gets lost is, that, is the answer to that simple question. And then it's very easy to default to, well, have you got any security? Mm -hmm. Have you got anything to put behind it? But, if, but it, to my mind, it's always coming back to this amount of money needs to be borrowed. And in acquisition, it can be complicated. And what gets lost is, as the banker, Am I going to get repaid? Can I see how I'm going to get repaid? And I know I'm oversimplifying. It might sound patronising, but from the smallest funding, particularly through a bank, to the, the largest, that's what the bank manager sat in front of you is thinking about. And, that, and acquisitions, it can be complicated, Thank and you. that gets lost. Thank you, Richard. I wonder, Lear, if I can tempt you to comment on the UK at the I moment as a funding environment. Now, I don't know where to describe Brexit. Is it behind us, in front of us? Are we in the <laughs> middle of it? We just mm. don't know. Do you think a door has opened? Do you think we're going to find it a lot tougher for British businesses to raise money? Do you mind if I ask you that? Uh, no, it's fine. I, I mean, I, I'll give you my kind of crowdfunding perspective on that, just because at the moment there's a crowdfunding regulation, a pan-European crowdfunding regulation right. that's currently being finalized that we're looking to come out this year, which would really, I mean, open up the options for UK businesses. I mean, we do allow European investment to come in, but the... the it's a very exciting year for crowdfunding um, because of that. I mean, literally, we can open up to Europe. So. And, and is coming out of the European Union dinting our chances of taking part in that sort of opening? No, I, it, it will be fine. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Without okay. getting into so, the So this is upbeat. Details. This is upbeat. Fine, okay. everyone. <laughs> mm, okay, but we don't have to, you know, this sunshine rainbows all around. Where, where are we on this? 
Definitely sunshine and rainbows. Um, so from my perspective, I think the UK has the best selection of, uh, I'm going to say funding options. I didn't mean the, uh, the, the, the tagline there. Um, but ultimately, you know, we are seeing a very progressive group of lenders, particularly the alternative financers, um, some of whom are actually addressing the kind of challenge the gentleman there articulated where you know, they want you to uh, uh, you know, mortgage off your, your wife, your kids, and everything else. But some lenders out there will lend unsecured without a PG, for example. So they're so starting, correct, they're starting to uh, think much more progressively. Uh, and some lenders are really differentiating themselves with these new propositions. Uh, you know, we're not talking uh, you know, lower quality lenders. This is top tier alternative lenders um, who have a very, very compelling right. Well, any minute now, Paul, you're going to start buying stock in UK PLC. Anything you notice as a US-listed company? Is good times for us? Yeah, good. Uh, uh, it's change. Um, but with change is opportunity, and with opportunity is change. Um, I think the only thing I would say is that if you are a company, uh, talking about this gentleman who's acquired a few, that's a very common thing that we hear. Mm -hmm. If you've got multiple systems and multiple points of reference, Consolidate them, get your data right, mm. understand your customer, get them in if you can, if that's the model, we'll support it. Recurring business is great business because people like the consistency and they like to know that it's coming. You can borrow better if they know where it's coming from. Okay, well, I'm not used to turning to Derry for a bucket of cold sick, but is there a, <laughs> <laughs> are you going to do anything to dampen my spirits, Derry, or is it sort of, you know, glass half full? Uh, I advise at different levels, so I still think there's a element of caution needed for the big boys. Uh, I certainly would be when yeah, I, I was at, so I was at, I rose to European board level in the corporate world, so I know what that feels like. Oh. Um, and if I was at European board level, I'd, I'd still be cautious. But in the in mid space and the small businesses, which is the majority of this audience, I'm, you know, I'm all in. Yeah. So, and I think that's the key is that I tell you, the opportunity I tell you what's there. appalling, when scale-ups don't get paid on time by large corporates, what's a technique you've learned, apart from using bottom line, what's, your, what's a real technique to get cash out of these big corporates? It's a disgrace. Threaten them. No, I mean, I, I'm, on a serious note, you've got to stand up to them. The reason they're not getting paid is because um, the small business allows, to be, allows themselves to be bullied. So we've got to give the strength back to the small business because you can't. And actually, if you, if you actually ask for it, which is what you're due for, most corporates will provide it because there's legislation against it now, which, again, most people don't understand. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's um, a serious it's wrong, point. Basically. I, 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 don't I'll let it happen. This. Please, please. I, 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 I agree that um, you, know, you do have to stand up for yourself. But I also think that part of it is education because... A lot of small business don't realize that there are other options out there that make the payment just a simple process. It's something that your, your recipient will just do. So things like recurring payments yeah. and having the technology that can manage that, that can actually stop that. So reducing those bad debtors is important for every person we speak to. And I think that uh, there's systems out there that people may not be aware of can actually do it. Mm -hmm. I once asked Lara Morgan that question. She said a small bag of Maltesers to the financial director will see you right every time they pay. That's a good little <laughs> incentive there. Thanks to my friend Lara Morgan. Okay, um, well, we're going to go into a coffee break, but I, I, I'm loath to leave any questions lingering in the room. If you have... Final. Yes, at the back, in that lovely coloured jacket, please feel free to say... I was a butler in red coat many years ago myself. <laughs> I know it when I see it, so that's true. Forgive me. Now, forgive me, Michelle, for our... Um, Friends tuning in from afar, I will get a mic on to you. Hello, my name's Michelle King. I own a company called Deluxe Holiday Homes based in Sandbanks, Harry Redknapp's Love home, Sandbanks, Dorset. Dorset. Um, I'm just going back into brokering um, and I've met Banking Circle. 
What I want to know, and I'm sure there's many people out here, is that I never knew about that sort of lending. Um, how come more people aren't promoting it? So hang on, so you've just encountered banking circle. Is that like funding circle? Yes. Is it peer-to-peer -peer lending, that sort of thing? Or a little well, bit? Well, who wants to give a, us some more... A bit more like bottom line, isn't yeah. it? Okay. Sort of like they do um, um, various things that they do, but one of the things is merchant cash advance and mm -hmm. various other things where you can... If there's a predictability around your customers, you can get your money quicker than anywhere else as a, yeah. as a broad statement mm. of some of the things that they do. Okay, would invoice factoring come into it's, that sort of bracket? Yeah, I mean, it's dangerous to, to go down the invoicing route, but yeah. what it means to you as a business is that you can get your money quicker yeah. if you understand your customer. And I think that's probably the best way to, to say it, because Banking Circle yeah. wants certainty. And uh, with the right systems and the right data, you can get that money a little bit quicker if you want to. Well, I want more for everybody, but Richard, can I see you leaning into that? Well, so it's, it's, a, it's a good question. It's actually the, the, the flip side to what we were talking about earlier about the diversification in, in the industry and how there's so many different options. Uh, I, would, I just would say that one area that, that does give us concern, hence why we exist, is actually that very early stage startup. Some of the options are more limited, but once the business gets operating and gets some revenue, you've got a myriad of different finance options. Um, and and the, the problem is, is finding the signpost, the sort of the route to it. And to be honest, some of it's just the hard yards. It's getting out there to events such as this and hearing about all the different types that are out there. And I, just one last thing, because I think the key message that keeps coming through is usually the finance isn't one answer. It's some sort of blend of answers, and there's a lot of options out there at the moment. Right. And in a, if I push you on this, Richard, can this sort of thing be delegated to brilliant team members? Or does the founder or CEO really have to knuckle down to it to lead it themselves? I, I think we might differ on this. I think you can delegate it. Mm -hmm. I, th I think at least the early stage, the, 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 the getting out and about and finding out the options. Okay. When it comes down to the decision, of course you want the leader in okay. there. Well, but you can get out well, there we'll and get leave it hang, We'll leave it hanging uh, for our coffee break discussion. Leah, you're not supposed to have favourites, but anyone we should be looking at on Cedars right now? Oh, um, <laughs> no, because we can't provide financial advice, so I'll leave oh, it to you wow. all to make your own decisions. Right, well, well, milk and how many sugars? We'll see you in the coffee <laughs> break. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you so much. And by the way, um, uh, you know, so many organisations, and this is no disrespect at all, but I just wish were better known, actually, represented today, because you just think, you know, I'm, I'm asked all the time about where's the sat-nav for these things, you know, who can help me get ahead? So thank you all very much to Derry, uh, Richard, Leah, Paul, and Simon, of course. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you.